The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. All right, bring up Kyle. Come on up. Let's give Kyle a hand. Awesome. Thank you so much. I just want to say, I'm glad that they're new diapers and not used diapers. That would be gross. Awesome. Very cool. I'm I'm excited to get into this this morning. It's always fun. I get the opportunity to to share what God's been showing me and some of the things that I've learned and kind of see how it might be able to kind of help us along together. And so... um, what we're talking about this morning is moving forward, what it means to move forward, right? And so we have all these different extremes, things going on, and what we're going to do this morning is look at what it means to move forward. So we're just going to jump right into it, Ecclesiastes uh, 7, verses 16 through 18. It says, do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. And that, that last few words there, avoid all extremes, what that translates into, what that... Sharon, it's so good to see you. Sorry, you're here. I love it. Okay, it's, I just was so happy to see you. She drove, I think you drove like an hour, right? Something like that. That's so cool. Okay, get back on track. Uh, avoid all extremes. What that means uh, when you translate it is to move forward, to go forth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so as we look at those verses, being over-righteous and you know, being over-wicked, the funny thing about those words is that they're actually not like real words. If you, I was typing this out and they had the red lines under them. And so what this, what this verse is talking about is, is um, let me give you a story. When I first started following the Lord, when I was a teenager, I used to go on both of these extremes a lot. I would ping pong between the two. And so what that would look like for me is, um, you know, I would spend a couple of weeks, some days, whatever, doing some not so good things, right? Some things that were sinful, some things that brought guilt and that brought shame in my life. And I would just go hard at it. And then I would ping pong to the other extreme where I'd say, okay, if I don't do anything bad, I don't do anything wrong for like two weeks, then I'll finally be able to be right with God and I'll be able to feel his presence. I'll be able to, have an, I'll do, be able to do all of these really fun, exciting things. And I would ping pong between the two of them, back and forth. And so maybe for some of you, you've experienced something like that where you're just constantly going back and forth, just ping ponging, the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth. And so the interesting thing about both of those extremes, right, if we look again here at verse 18, the interesting thing about both of those extremes is that both of them lack the fear of God. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. And so what does it mean to fear God when we talk about the fear of God? I think that, um, you know, I imagine it like if you're, you're, you're in a, the African, you know, jungle on the safari on a, so, you know, on a, safari into Africa, right? And you're there and you're standing there and, and across the way you see a giant elephant. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. It's so majestic. That's so awesome. But then the elephant starts to charge at you and you're like, is that coming at me? <laughs> is that coming at me? And as it's coming closer, you feel the ground start to rumble and it's shaking and you're paralyzed with fear. You can't do anything. This thing is coming at you. That's going to be pretty darn scary. As beautiful and as amazing that thing is, 
That is an entity. That's a thing that is bigger than you, that is more powerful than you, that you have no control over. And to recognize that for what it is, that's, that's, that's a healthy fear, right? There's another way to look at the fear of God is, is a reverence. And what reverence means is, for example, I, I play guitar. And when I see a guitar player that is just so good and I watch them play and it's just mesmerizing, I revere that. I look at that and I'm like, man, that is amazing. Like, for example, I'm not just trying to, like, you know, pat you on the back, but when Ray Dorado posts his videos on Facebook when he's playing this stuff, when I'm at his house playing guitar, like, there's a reverence there I have for that skill because, like, honestly, it sounds like aliens. Like, it sounds like some, like, alien sound. He's like, I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I, I tried having him, I tried having him show me how he makes these alien sounds, and he's like, dude, it's simple. Barbecue potato chips. Hippopotamus. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, there's a rhythm thing with it. Anyway, it's on another level. And there's a reverence there that I have for his skill, for his ability, right? And another, another thing about the fear of God is, is that we have an honor for who God is, for what he's done. And, and because we honor who God is and what he's done, we, we, we're able to, to recognize his love and his power for us, and we live a life that honors him. Right? So we're talking about the fear of God. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. On this side of things, I didn't have the fear of God. I didn't care. I was doing whatever I wanted, whatever made me feel good, and just sinking deeper into my guilt and my shame. There was no recognition. There's no concern. There's no fear. There's no honor or reverence for God's goodness, for his holiness, for what he had done in my life. Right? And then on this other side... It seems so good because I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm not cussing, I'm not doing bad things, I'm not, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, to, to serve God and to glorify God. But again, there's no fear of God on this side because the fear is in myself. The, the reverence is in myself and my ability to not do bad things and my ability to, to do something for God. And there's no fear of God in that. So whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. And so there, there's a... Um, there's a really cool Bible story that, uh, you know, that Jesus, about Jesus that illustrates this. And, and, um, you know, and so if we're, looking at, if we're looking at the fear of God as the vehicle that moves us forward, correct? The fear of God is what moves us forward. What is the fuel that we put into that vehicle? How do we move forward? That's great. Fear God. Avoid all extremes. Don't go down the sin path. Don't go down the pride over righteous path. Move forward. How do we do that? The fuel is... Jesus. And so there's this really cool Bible story that we're going to look at <clears throat> about Jesus. So um, buckle up your Bible seatbelts because it's a lot of verses. And so it's in Luke 7, 36 through 50. And it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, pause real quick. A Pharisee, for those of you who don't know, back in this time were the religious leaders of the day. They were the ones who, on this side, who knew the law, who knew how to follow it, and did it better than you. And they knew it. And there was this desire they had. It was, you know, I think it starts out as a genuine desire to want to please God, but it turns into, look what I've done. Look how I've elevated myself by following the law and being this perfect religious person, right? So he's at this person's house. He's at a Pharisee's house. And it goes on to say that a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. 
And so the thing about that alabaster, uh, I'll keep reading this itself. As she stood behind him uh, at his feet uh, weeping, she uh, began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, uh, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner, right? So we have this woman over here who is a known sinner, who is a known person who is over wicked, right? And we have a person over here who is a known righteous, over, over righteous person who is a religious leader. And right in the middle of them is Jesus. And it's so cool to see what he's about to do. Jesus answered him, excuse me, answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And I think what's so cool about that is that this Pharisee guy, he thought about it, but Jesus comes in and starts addressing his thoughts. I just love the way that Jesus works like that. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of them both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests, okay, so the other guests, let's talk about this, right? So this is a big religious leader, right, who, who is aware that this woman is a sinner. And so who do we think the guests might be that this person is hanging out with? A bunch of sinners or a bunch of religious people that are, you know, perfect and upholding the law and doing all this stuff? Probably that type of people. And so we have these people seeing this with this woman loving on Jesus and receiving this forgiveness from him. And the other guests began to say amongst, amongst themselves, uh, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the women, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so what's happening here? Again, we have both sides, both extremes, extreme sinner and extreme overrighteous person. And what's happening here is Jesus is bringing them both sides to him in order where they can move forward, right? And so what, 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 what this lady is hearing is that her sins are forgiven. And what these people are hearing is that, hey, you don't have to try to go over top, go over, you know, over and above to try to please me. You don't have to try to do all of these really big intense things in order for me to forgive you. You don't have to, you know, show up all the time and do all these things, whatever that looks like for you, in order to please me. And you certainly don't have to wallow in your sin. So what Jesus is doing is he's moving people away from their sin and away from the pride to a place where they can function, where they can move forward. And that's what he wants for you in your life. And so what's really cool as we do that, as we receive that forgiveness, right? So how do we do that? We receive that forgiveness. We, 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 we repent. That's the word repentance. It means to turn away. I don't know if these people repented, but what's so cool about this on this story is they began to ask the question, who is this that even forgives sin? I'm doing everything I can to be right before God. I'm doing everything I can to provide for my family, to be a good example for my kids. I'm doing everything I can to not go back to this addiction. I'm doing everything that I can to live the right kind of life. Who is this that forgives sins? Who is this that takes it away? 
And we have this lady over here who all she has to offer, all she has to bring are her tears. All she, she's, she doesn't, she's not coming saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull myself up with my bootstraps. She comes with her brokenness and her tears and whatever she has and just pours it out on Jesus' feet. And he forgives her. And God wants to do the same for you. Whether you're exhausting yourself trying to do the right thing and be the right person and you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or whether you're just totally um, overwhelmed by your sin, right? It says, why destroy yourself? Why stress yourself out? trying to be over-righteous, and why die before your time trying to live in sin and, and, and to, to bury your guilt and your shame and your sin by doing more. Come right here where Jesus is in the middle of all of them. Avoid the extremes and come to this place where there's forgiveness. Come to this place where you can move forward. And so um, a couple of things happen, <laughs> excuse me, as we begin to move forward. As we begin to move forward, there will be miracles. And I love that uh, Pastor Kerry's been posting that um, all over the place on, the, on Facebook. There will be miracles. There will be miracles. And it's so true. And so if we look at this, uh, this Bible story, we're not going to read it because it's lengthy. Uh, but in Exodus 14, what's happening in this story right, is, is there's a, a group of people, the Israelites, and God is moving them out of slavery. They've been slaved to the Egyptians for hundreds of years, and God is moving them out to uh, the promised land, to a place where they can have relationship with God that's, that's un, um, unmit, unmitigated. There's no, there's no barriers. There's no slave master saying, you can't worship this. You can't do that. I mean, if you look back to what was happening in Egypt, these Egyptians were, were taking their kids and you know, not letting them have kids and doing not good things with their children because they wanted to keep the population under control. And God was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. We're going to set them free now. And so on the other side is this promised land. And so as they're leaving Egypt, they're escaping. God's setting them free. They have Moses there to lead them you know, to, into the promised land. What happens is they come, they're confronted with the Red Sea. It's this giant body of water. They have no way to cross it. And behind them are the Egyptians bearing down on them, coming at them with their chariots and their swords and their spears and their shackles to put them back into slavery. And they're freaking out. They're like, why have you brought us out here so we can die before our time? What is happening? And so they're freaking out and behind them, is slavery, and in front of them is the promised land, and between that is this huge obstacle. And so in your life, as you're beginning to turn away from a habit, turn away from a mindset, turn away from a relationship, a circumstance that is keeping you enslaved, that is causing harm to you and your family, as you turn away from that, there will be miracles, because what happens as they're doing that, and, and, and the thing too, as you're doing that, is that oftentimes, whatever it is that's trying to keep you enslaved is going to come after you. It's not going to want to let it go. It's not going to want to set you free, right? It's going to come after you, just like the Egyptians were coming back to take the Israelites back into slavery. And as they're there, freaking out, God works a miracle. And right before their very eyes, the Red Sea begins to part. And so what that shows us is as we begin to turn away and move forward into what God, you might think, I can't leave that, I can't quit that, I can't stop, that mindset, that way of life, there's no way out of it. You're crazy, Kyle. Wrong. God will make a way where there is no way. And so it's our job to move forward, to trust God, right? And so as, as we move forward, man, it's exciting stuff, as we move forward, faith is magnified, 
right? And so there's another story um, in, in the Bible where I'm not going to get into it. The, the verses are up there just underneath that. Um, in Matthew 14, 22 to 32, where, and I share this story a lot because I love it, but because uh, it's so like just real in my life. Um, but where Peter, basically the, the, Jesus has a group of guys, his disciples, and they're all out on the ocean, on the, on, the, on the sea, and the storm picks up, and it's wind and waves, and it's all crazy, and across the water they see this, this person walking on the water, and they freak out, they think that it's a ghost, and then they realize, no, that's, that's Jesus. And Peter, he says, Lord, if it's you, call me to walk out towards you. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat, he begins to walk towards Jesus on the water, <laughs> walking on the water towards Jesus. And then as he's doing that, he, gets, he becomes aware of the wind and the waves and everything that's going on around, and he loses focus of, of Jesus, and he begins to sink. And Jesus pulls him up. He says, you know, why do you have such little faith and all these things? And when we begin to move forward and we step out of the boat and we're walking on the water, our faith, whatever it looks like, is going to be magnified. And so what's so cool about this story, and it's not to you know, make you feel badly or whatever, what's so cool about having the Bible and having the story, we get to learn from Peter's, I guess you could call it a mistake, we get to learn from Peter's experience, right? So as God is calling you out of that boat, whatever that is that we touched on before, whatever that addiction is, whatever that relationship, whatever that circumstance is where he's calling you out of that boat to walk on the water, it's so imperative, so important for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to move forward, to not look to the left, not to the right. Here's some of you in here are, are coming, you're new to the Lord, you're new to following Jesus, you're new to this church thing, and there are people in your life that you've known for probably decades who are saying, what Kool-Aid are they serving there? <laughs> what are you doing? Wind and waves. It's so important for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so our faith can be magnified because here's the reality is those people that might be throwing wind and waves at you, those, those thoughts that you have, those things going on in your life, especially those people, those are the ones who are gonna need to see the magnitude, the bigness of your faith to continue on through the storm, to continue on following Jesus. And as you do that, as you move forward, with your sin forgiven, with your selfishness, your, all this stuff and, your, and your, your, uh, you know, your works, trying to please God in your own way, it's all forgiven. You're moving forward. Faith will be magnified and people are going to see that. And people can realize, man, like that person used to be somebody who was such a taker, who always needed things. And now they're giving out faith. They're giving out hope. They're praying for me. That's an incredible thing. And so for your life, what extremes are you living in? What, what's, the, what's the thing you need to move away from? What's the boat you need to step out of? Where, where, where do you need to receive forgiveness from Jesus in your life? And what needs to be done about it? What do you need to do, right? What, what, needs to, what do you need to repent from this morning so you can move forward in a place where there will be miracles and a place where your faith will be magnified? And uh, Jenna's going to come up now. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, I'm impressed. That was really good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no pressure to top that. But um, it is really cool because um, there is a really amazing thing that's happening this morning. And I can hear it from worship to what Pastor Andy shared to Bobby's testimony to Kyle's word. Um, there's just, it's so cool because we didn't all get together and say, this is what, you know, this is what God's going to do this weekend. So just continue to listen um, because God is speaking something this morning. And so I'm going to talk about moving forward on the path to peace. And so I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask that you guys all be honest, okay? We're going to do a raise of hands here. So raise your hand if at all this week you felt scared, 
anxious, overwhelmed, afraid of something. Okay, so now look around. There's a lot of hands here. Okay, now you can put your hands down. We're being honest. Now raise your hand if you at all this week felt an overwhelming sense of peace. Like you heard a problem and you were like, hmm, that's, you know, God's going to take care of that. I'm okay. Okay, so there's people here that felt an overwhelming sense of peace. Now, for the rest of us who didn't necessarily feel that, we're all in the right place because we're surrounded by people who recognize and sense the peace of God in their lives, and we also know that that's obtainable for us. And so bottom line is, we all want peace in our lives, and we all can get peace in our lives because we believe in Jesus. So if we look at this verse in Philippians 4... It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what that verse is talking about is you're exchanging your anxieties, your worries, your fears, the things that overwhelm you, you're exchanging those for God's peace. And it's not impossible. It is possible. And so um, I'm going to share a little bit about that. But there's a lot of people, and this is not a boast on me. It's a boast on Jesus that come to me and say, you are so calm. You are so peaceful. You have four kids, and you do this, and you do that. And they're like, "Why? how do you do all of that? And it's all because of Jesus. Like, I get to boast in him because I've walked with him, and there's things that he's taught me and shown me that I'm going to tell you guys today, but it is all because of Jesus that I've received that peace, that I walk in that peace, Um, and it's a gift. It's a gift that God has given me that he can give to you as well, and so what does it look like? to walk in peace. We have four steps. I was going to call them the four P's to peace, but Kyle talked me out of it. So the four steps to the path of peace. (laughs) And as you see, I made them all P's, okay? It worked really hard. (laughs) So I'll just go over them. It's prayer and Bible time, praise, perspective, and people. And so um, the first category is prayer and the word. And I brought this amazing thing. Michelle's going to be so proud of me today. Michelle, where are you at? (laughs) Okay, so this is a Bible. And we were talking about this last night. Everybody knows what it is. And we have it easily accessible on our phones as well. But the Bible is really a tool. It's a tool for us to get to know Jesus. It's a tool. It's like Kyle was saying. It's a vehicle. It's the fuel that gets us to peace. If you're not in your word then you're not going to be able to have a lot of peace. I'm not going to say never, but the word gets you to peace in your life because the word is all about Jesus. The word edifies. The word is powerful, alive. It's active. It's the only thing that you're ever going to read that's actually going to transform your heart, your mind, your soul, that's going to move you forward in life. It's the only book that you can read that does that for you. And it says in John 14, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So we can't find the peace that we need in the world. We find it in the word. 
And so if you think about that, there will be lots of things that try to pull you away from spending time with God, spending time in the Word. There is nothing more valuable than doing that. And any excuses that you might have for not getting into the Word, oh man, I'm driving, I can't do that, or oh, I can't wake up early, or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Any excuse that you have in your mind for saying, I can't get in the Bible today, not today, um, <clears throat> They're not worth the risk of losing out on that peace. They're not worth the risk of missing out on this relationship with Jesus. The word is so powerful. It is probably the best thing that you could ever do in your life besides giving your life to Jesus is to get into the word. If there's one thing that I want to be known for in this life is that I want to encourage people to get into the word because it will transform you like nothing else. And back when I first gave my life to Jesus when I was 14, and I had the realization today that I've known Jesus longer than I haven't known Jesus. So that's really cool. I was like, okay, this is, this is my life. I'm so excited about it. And so when I was 14, I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember, I was like, this is amazing. I would spend hours in the Bible, because I had hours then. I would spend hours reading and marking and journaling and doing all this stuff. I would spend so much time. And then my, you know, obviously my life moved on and I got married. I started having kids and things looked differently with my time. And so there was this point that I got where I felt in my heart that I was so distant from God because I wasn't spending hours, because I wasn't doing what I first did. Now, I'm really thankful for that time that I had because it drew a well inside of me to where I can draw on now, where all that time I spent with Jesus, all the time I spent in the Word, like it's not for waste. It's something I still draw on continually, but now my life looks different, and it's so amazing because I came to this point where I was like, you know what? If I can't spend hours reading the Bible, then I guess I just won't do it at all. And it was so cool because God met me in that moment. And he began to speak to me. And it was so cool because he began to speak to me in moments where I was washing the dishes or where I was folding laundry or sweeping up the house or <laughs> a lot of cleaning. But God met me in those moments. And it was so amazing because it wasn't like I was sitting down with my Bible and I was spending hours and I had my cup of coffee and it was all quiet and the lights were dim. No, it wasn't any of that because it was loud. It was chaotic. It was messy. There was no coffee at all. And God still met me and he began to speak to me. And those are things that I would write down and I would cherish and be like, you you know what? God is so real. God is with me, and he doesn't require that I sit down and I read. If I had the time to do that, I would have loved to do that. I don't discount and discredit that time that you spend with the Lord at all, but for me and the lifestyle that I was in at that moment, that's what I needed, and God knew that. God knew what I needed. He knew that I didn't need to sit down for hours and begin to do that, and so I encourage you that that time that you spend in prayer and reading the Bible is so important. It will create so much peace in your life. It feels like there's a lot of work to do. I got to read. I got to do this. But it's not. If you take out the work aspect of reading the Bible then and praying the time, you take off the time limits. You take off any expectations that you might put on yourself or other people put on you as far as reading the Bible, then you will find peace. You will find peace in Jesus. Um, 
And the last verse on that topic is, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so it's an invitation. God's inviting us to come to his throne, to be with him. And so moving forward on the path to peace, the second P is praise. And that is something we did this morning, talking about worship. Now, there are lots of forms of worship. You know, tithing is a form of worship. Serving other people is a form of worship. But I'm specifically talking about worshiping God with our mouths, with singing, with instruments, with the raising of hands. Now, the reason why important is because music is actually very important. If you study music, you'll see that it actually has been created by God. And so the importance there is so huge. Um, and they, in, back in the Bible, they would actually send worshipers out in the front lines of battles. And so people would be playing their trumpets, they'd be singing. That would be a form of battle, a form of a weapon. And so if we look at that, if we want to have a greater amount of peace in our lives, then we've got to get our praise on. we got to begin to start singing, not just on Sunday mornings. That's always fun because we have such a great worship team. But in your car, at your home, turning off the background noise that you have on already, Netflix, whatever's on, other music, and just turning on praise, worship music, I will guarantee you that it changes the atmosphere in your home. It changes the atmosphere in your house, in your car. It changes your mind because when you start singing and speaking out the truth, it's amazing because it starts it starts coming out of your mouth, but it's actually going into you. It's something that is going into your mind and how you're thinking. And it's, it's just like what the word does. It's transforming you. And so you praise God. <clears throat> It affects your minds and your spirit. It says in Psalm 145, it says, Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And that's incredible because even if there's nothing good or maybe a couple things good happening in your life, there is still something to praise God for. Praise you, Jesus, that I have breath in my lungs right now. Thank you, God, that I'm standing here. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm alive. And you can bring those praises to him. And that opens up a door of peace in your life. And that's what we all want. We all want peace. And so my third P, perspective. So this is a big one because um, essentially what perspective is, I'll break it down a little bit. Peace can come from our belief about who God is in our life. So a perspective is essentially a belief about something in your life. And so as we look look at God and our perspective of him, what do we believe about God in this situation in my life? What do I believe about God, about that person's situation? That is your perspective. And for me, it was huge because I came to this, about a couple years ago, I came to this huge perspective change that I can't control pretty much anything in my life. And 
it's kind of sad. I know it's <laughs> heavy. I mean, I can control my decisions and my attitude, but instead of that, God is in control. So I came to this perspective thing that I'm not going to work on this. I'm not going to make sure that my kids follow Jesus. I'm not going to protect my kids and make sure that they're healthy and strong. There, there's a duty that I have there, but I'm not in control of it. There's things that God tells me to do that I'm going to do, but I'm not in control. And this happened um, a couple of times with just two really scary incidences with my kids, very life-threatening. And it's crazy because thinking, oh, I could control my kids and make sure that they were safe all of the time. It changed to, you know what, God is in control and there's nothing that I could ever do. And he's the one that's in control. He loves my kids more than I do. He loves my life more than I do. And he is the one that can love them and control them. Not control them. You know what I mean. He can protect them. <laughs> but so when we look at that, um, what steals our peace, it's not our issues of life. It's not the things that overwhelm us, but rather it's our perspective of those things. So when we look at the issues, the things that come up in our life, are we looking at it with God's perspective? You know what? God's here for me. He loves me. And when, when those two crazy things happened to my kids, one of them brought me to this place where I was waking up almost every single night with nightmares. And it just kept replaying in my mind over and over again. I was like, you know what? I need to get a new perspective of this. And so I began to speak this out. I began to say, you know what? Jesus is with me right now. My kids are alive. I'm alive. Thank you, Jesus. I had to keep repeating that. It was a perspective change in my heart and my mind that I had to actually speak out until the nightmares went away, until there was peace again. And so that's what you have to do. You have to fight for that perspective in your life. And then I, one thing that was huge that I held on to was Psalm 23, verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Do you really believe that God is with you this morning? Do you believe that he's walking with you through the darkest valleys? Like, do you believe that? Can you actually sit and say, that's my perspective this morning, that God is walking with me, that he's with me. If that's not your perspective this morning, then you get in the word, you get that time with Jesus, and you say, God, speak to me about this. Change my perspective. Change the way I think about this. <clears throat> my last P is people. So, um... God has used people to bring peace into my life. Now, I know some of you might say, well, God also uses people to bring chaos into your life. Now, okay, that might be true because people are unpredictable. They're not perfect, so you can't control that, right? So, but what's amazing is that God created people in his image, right? And so if we look at that, God created people in his image. And if we like to and we're designed to help people, then that means that's part of what God has, that's part of God in us. We actually like to help people. And so um, God wants you to know that he sees you. And how many of you guys have ever been blessed before? Someone's given you money, someone's done something, fixed something for you, or, you know, some things have shown up at your house, or how was that delivered to you? How was that? Was that through people, or did God magically come down and give you that money? 
You know, God uses people. He uses people in your life to bless you, to bring peace to you. That's how God operates. He sees us as a body of believers, and he uses us to accomplish that goal. And so, and when that happens, we sit here and we realize, you know what? God sees me. He sees my financial trouble. He sees my relational trouble right here. And he brought me someone to be by my side. Or he brought me money. And I can remember when um, my little boy Maverick, he was in the hospital when we were first born. He had RSV really bad. And I remember sitting there and the doctor's coming up and, you know, they're like, okay, well, he's got a 50-50 chance. And, you know, that... Right now, saying that, it's like, okay, yeah, 50-50, that's great, that's a good chance. But when you're a mom of a new baby, you're like, this is terrible. Like, 50-50 is not a good odds right here. I began weeping, and I was crying out to God, and I was in the hospital all by myself. I was like, God, I'm so alone, I don't even know what to do. And I kid you not, I was like, God, please, please be with me. Two minutes later, probably two minutes later, there was a knock at the door. And there was this couple in our church. I didn't even know them. Like, I knew their names, but I'd never hung out with them. I, I mean, I just didn't know them. They come into my room, and they're like, we just wanted to come and pray with you and be with you. And I just started bawling. I was like, you have no idea. God uses people. He uses people to bring peace in your life, to let you know that he sees you. He sees where you're at. And that's peace. That's bring comfort and peace. And it says in Galatians 6, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law. And here at the beat, we have community groups. And, okay, raise your hand if you're a part of a community group. Okay, I'm going to see who's not raising their hand because, okay, you have to get into a community group. We're talking about people here. This is how you're going to follow the path of peace in your life, is getting around people. Yes, it's messy sometimes because you have to help other people carry their burdens, but that's what this is all about. And so at community group, you feel loved, you feel valued, you feel cared for. And you know what that enables in your life? Peace. God brings you peace. And so God uses people to reveal that peace in your life. And so as we wrap up this morning, I do want to challenge you guys with Kyle's word, with my word, to just pick one of those categories, Bible and prayer, praise, perspective, and people. Pick one of those to focus on this week and kind of see, does this create more peace in my life? And just kind of challenge yourself, like, okay, if I actually get into the word, or if I actually open up with people, or if I start praising God every day, just to see, is this going to give me more peace this week? And so I'm really excited for you guys. I'm just going to pray and um, wrap up. Jesus, I thank you so much for the peace that you've given me. God, I thank you for the peace that you have for everybody in this room. God, that as we move forward in our lives, Jesus, we do it not alone, but we do it with you and surrounded by this body of people. So God, I pray, Jesus, that there would be such a realization this morning that you're with us, God, that you see us, that you're for us, God. You're not against us. You want us to succeed in life. And so God, I just thank you so much for every person here. In your name, amen. Okay, there are snacks in the back. You guys can head on out and hang out with people and take boxes (laughs) right now.
take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.